Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, December 15th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, the new Iowa poll, same as the old Iowa poll, the GOP presidential debate in Iowa is in limbo, and Brandy Feenster's role in the caucus campaign. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. With me this week, we have the full roster. We have Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello, Tom. Hello, Aaron. You beautiful, strong, physical specimen, you. <laughs> Just like Iowa's punter. Uh, we have Lee DeMoon, Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCauley here. Hello, Caleb. Hello, Aaron. Sarah Watson of the Quad City Times is with us. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Aaron. We have Jared McNett of the Sioux City Journal. Greetings, Jared. Hell and fire was spawned to be released, Aaron. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Hello, Todd. Hello, and I want to invite everybody to the Capitol Rotunda to see my Toddmas display. It's uh, <laughs> It's uh, it, it's real heartwarming for the holidays because Todmas is is coming up. Is is Todmas anything like Festivus? Uh, yeah, there is an airing of grievances, mostly at me, but uh, yeah, it's it's a lot like that. Oh, it just stands there. <laughs> more importantly, will there be feats of strength? Not by me, I hope. <laughs> Unless it's like a thumb thumb wrestling, kind of a thumb war. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, speaking of which, we're not going to spend any time on that topic today uh, uh, at the risk of the discussion veering into the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, un- I'll just say unknown and keep it polite. Um, but do, do obviously, uh, it, it's been an interesting week at the Iowa Capitol. Uh, so check out our coverage. Uh, we've, we've got that story up on our websites if I, in case you're not familiar with what's going on um, either. Um, never a dull moment at the Iowa Capitol. They got the ball rolling ahead of the session this year and gave us a pre-Christmas uh, gift. All right. First up this week on the podcast, we have the latest Iowa poll from the Des Moines Register, NBC News, and Mediacom. And I think Planners Peanuts is maybe jumping on board uh, next. Um, <laughs> only loyal listeners who tune in every week will get this reference. This latest Iowa poll was a manifestation of that cartoon baseball bat beating me over the head with just believe the polling and your eyes, Aaron, because it showed Donald Trump not just continuing, but expanding his lead in Iowa. He's now up to 51%, while Ron DeSantis is at 19 and Nikki Haley at 16. Um, so folks, depending on which day you're listening to this podcast, we are almost exactly one month out from the January 15th Iowa Republican caucuses. Uh, let's go around the horn here and uh, see what everybody thought of the poll. But Todd, I'll kick this off with a specific question for you. Um, like I said, we're a month out. Is this thing over? Uh, well, you know, there's all the cliches. The uh, the fat lady is warming up. The chips and salsa is being prepared. Uh, all of those things that mark the end of a thing. Yeah, I mean, he's in the 50s to mid 50s now. Uh, he seems to have solidified his support. I mean, there are some second choice voters out there for maybe a DeSantis or Haley to grab, but at this point, it looks pretty uh the chances of that are pretty low so uh yeah i mean you look at that poll the the i mean it's just it's simple arithmetic the chris christie the guy who's out there telling the truth about donald trump has the highest unfavorability ratings and and the guy who is trump and did all the stuff that (laughs) that chris christie's talking about is has 54 percent of the has a 54 percent lead so uh, I think I think Iowa Republicans have sort of decided to 
go ahead and and embrace the embrace the chaos. Uh, the chaos that Nikki Haley's talking about uh, a lot lately. I'm just, I, it's trying to scare people away from it, but uh, they're leaning into it instead. Um, all right, I, I have a note, but I don't want to steal it from someone. Anybody else? Uh, uh, free for all. Jump in here. Anybody else see anything that stood out in that uh, latest Iowa poll? Something I was thinking about is that you know we've had these different stages of you know talk of a, a Haley surge or a DeSantis surge or even the uh, Ramaswamy surge a ways back now. But the actual surge over the past few months has been Trump, who was already the, the front runner. So if you're already the clear cut front runner and you've been surging over the past few months, I don't know what you can say has been good for these other candidates. And one, one clarification, when I mentioned that he had 54 percent, that was the civics poll that came out, not the, oh, not the Iowa poll. So I'm getting my uh, crushing Trump leads all mixed up can't tell a crushing trump lead without a program these days <laughs> yeah. yeah the civics poll uh just came out um uh, uh just a couple hours before we record here on uh thursday afternoon um and and like uh, todd said very similar numbers in that one trump at 54 uh desantis at 17 and Haley at 15. So, so really close numbers to the Iowa poll. I think one thing I found interesting is, you know, while uh, former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, you know, is, is polling low in Iowa. You know, I, I think according to the Des Moines register, Iowa poll that was released on Monday, I think he sits at 4%, um, just down slightly though, from um, Ohio entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, who is on track to campaign twice in each of Iowa's 99 counties before caucus day. So doing a, a, a double full Grassley, um, so to speak. Um, so, you know, he's been in Iowa um, consistently. He's doing all these events. He's pulling at 5% compared to Christie, who has not campaigned at all in Iowa in sitting at 4%. So I, I found that interesting. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, when you lean heavily into conspiracy theories, I guess that uh, doesn't doesn't do much for your campaign in Iowa. Yeah, th this is just one of those situations, it seems, where I, I think uh, Drake Professor Dennis Goldford says uh, everybody, every, every candidate on caucus night has the same opponent, and that's expected. And you want to do better than expected and you don't want to do worse than expected. So I, I think that I think that if you're not Trump, you that that's what you're shooting for here is to is to get in the 20s of, of percentage points uh, support on caucus night. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it really seems like it's locked down at this point. The, yeah. One one of the worst things probably is that um, in, in the polling, there was 70 percent of Trump supporters say that their minds are made up. So that's what, like 35% of likely caucus goers are basically off the table before the caucuses even happen. That's like, if you get 35% in any caucus pretty much ever that's competitive, you're going to win. <laughs> Great point. Yeah, I think the um, Iowa poll said that 49% of poll respondents had their minds made up and then another 46% say that they could still be persuaded to support another candidate. Um, but at the same time, three-fourths of likely GOP caucus goers say that they feel that um, Trump will beat Biden in 2024. Um, I think it was either today or yesterday, the um, Iowa poll also um, released, I guess, um, new polling that says that uh, 
likely Republican caucus goers view Donald Trump as the best candidate to handle um, an array of issues as president from the economy to caring about people like them to um, securing the, the border, protecting America's democracy, um, ironically. Um, so, I mean, even even while they say that, you know, they could be persuaded to support another candidate, um, Donald Trump still remains at the top of their list. They might be open to, you know, DeSantis and Haley, but um, consistent with the polling, DeSantis and Haley are still a distant second um, with Trump still still at the top. And that holds true with um, Iowa voters that um, I talked to, um, including yesterday in Coralville at a Trump campaign event. You know, the people who identified themselves as undecided, you know, said that while they haven't settled, you know, 100 percent on Trump, um, he's again, he's he's still their um, their clear favorite uh, and, and still feel that. Again, he's in their minds the best person to handle issues related to um, the the economy, um, crime and safety, the border, etc. The uh, the persuadable people who claim to be persuadable, they remind me a lot of like you know when you're a kid and you ask your parents if you can do something and they say ah we'll see and uh, that that just is like a that's just like a soft no and. These people that say they're persuadable, they're not persuadable. They've 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 made their choice for the most part to vote for Trump and that's probably what they'll do. But uh, you know, it it's that there's an impulse to sort of be like, Well, I'm not I haven't made up my mind completely, but yeah, you kinda have. <laughs> the um Tom, you were talking about um, 75% of likely caucus goers say they think Trump will beat Biden in 2024. And that is definitely a consequence of the other candidates not feeling comfortable talking about Trump losing in 2020, because it, that's a pretty easy electability argument to make if you're another candidate. All you have to say is he literally lost the last election that he's in, but the other candidates have been afraid to talk about that too much with Trump. And so, of course, caucus goers are going to think that Trump can beat Biden. I mean, you are starting to see um, DeSantis make that electability argument, but it, it, it it's too late in the game, I think, at this point um, to be making that attack. Um, you know, it's it's again, it, it's 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 an attack and it's a criticism that is, is fairly new. And we've just seen DeSantis starting to make in the last what week, maybe two weeks. Um, but well, but, and, and to, to Caleb's point, though, or sorry, Jared's point, he's talking about electability, but he still doesn't say he doesn't still doesn't use the 2020 election as evidence of that. He's he looks forward like I, I, I really believe Joe Biden will will beat Donald Trump. He doesn't say because he already did it once. Well, and Nikki Haley has kind of made that part of her campaign that uh, Republicans haven't won a, a popular vote, the popular vote in a long time, and that um, she has a history of election winning elections. So she's kind of made that electability argument. But yeah, to Jared's point, she hasn't really gone after Trump to say, yes, he lost his election. So yeah, to your point, like, why, why would likely caucus goers have any doubts that Trump could lose to Biden when according to them, he already won? Mm, yep. The, the other, oh, sorry, go ahead, Sarah. Nope. Yep. Oh, I was going to say the, um, I thought the endorsements was a little interesting. Um, I mean, it kind of confirms what we've already talked about, that endorsements, uh, most likely caucus goers didn't really care about endorsements, but, um, um, and even Governor Kim Reynolds got, uh, it was like 31% of uh, likely Iowa caucus goers said that her endorsement of Ron DeSantis would, uh, would make you more 
more likely to support the candidate. Um, so I thought I thought that was interesting. Like it seems low, but at the same time, it's much bigger than the Coke endorsement or or the or Bob Vanderplatt's endorsement. It's like twice the amount of people said that Reynolds's endorsement made them more likely to support the candidate rather than um, Coke or or Bob Vanderplatt's. Well, and even that Reynolds number, and someone correct me if I'm 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 miss you know analyzing this, but so that number was thirty one percent. Sarah said that that Reynolds endorsement would thirty one percent of likely Republican caucus goers said that Reynolds endorsement was more likely they would be more likely to support the candidate. And and meantime, DeSantis is at nineteen percent, right? So presumably nineteen percent of those people were already voting for DeSantis, anyways. Um, and so you've got an even smaller number now that, um, you know, weren't necessarily on board with DeSantis and, and saying that the, the Reynolds endorsement didn't matter. But yeah, I, I agree. That was a very illustrative uh, point. The, the other thing that jumped out to me and for those of us, uh, those people out there <clears throat> listening who still are active on the hellscape that is uh, Twitter slash X. Um, I, I pointed this out because I thought it was interesting when it came out. So so from the October Iowa poll to this this one. We had two candidates get out in Tim Scott and Doug Burgum. And in the poll from that, in between that happening, so we have a poll, Tim Scott and Doug Burgum drop out. The candidate whose points go up the most, like Jared said earlier, is Donald Trump. By you know, he goes up eight eight points. Um, so he benefited in the during the time period that Tim Scott and Doug Burgum jumped out, which you wouldn't necessarily think of it that way. Now I'm not saying that one to one every Tim Scott and Doug Burgum voter changed their allegiance to Donald Trump, but clearly some did. Um, it it kind of a little bit puts uh, a lie to the notion that like there if there was more consolidation, Trump might be yeah. in more trouble. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Because we had some consolidation. And the guy who benefited the most was Donald Trump. Um, so yeah, I think here a month out, it is a very as a watershed moment on the podcast with this Iowa poll and the civics poll backing it up now. I am done asking the question on the podcast: Is this the X Y Z thing that makes something positive happen <laughs> for anyone but Donald Trump? <laughs> because we have exhausted. Finally, it's it just ain't happening. Well. we'll the only poll that matters on caucus day and we'll see, but my goodness. Yeah. I, I was going to say DeSantis is, you know, and, and he's put all a lot of his eggs into the Iowa basket and, you know, the polling averages show that, I mean, he's in fourth place in New Hampshire. He's behind Chris Christie in New Hampshire by like five points. And then you get to South Carolina and he's in third and Haley is much is like doubles his support. So I don't, I mean, for him, if he doesn't, do something astounding on January 15th here. I think, I think he's done. And, you know, in January and February, heading back to Tallahassee, there could be worse, worse fates. So <laughs> that's true. Other than, I mean, other at least he's not the governor of North Dakota. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not going back to Bismarck. <laughs> well, we're going to get emails from all our North Dakota listeners. Now, Todd. Way to go. Uh, all, all one of them, whoever listens to us from the Burkham campaign. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, moving on. Um, it sounds like Iowa's chance to host the Republican presidential primary debate for the January 15th caucuses is in danger as Nikki Haley is dragging her feet to commit. Ron DeSantis has said he'd do it, uh, but because of 
A, the debate qualifications, and two, former President Trump's insistence on skipping all debates. Uh, if Haley doesn't, then that leaves DeSantis as the only eligible, eligible debate. And, and uh, Ron DeSantis debating himself, I'm sure, would be entertaining to some people, but uh, I don't know if CNN would think that uh, uh, good enough to, to continue with the event. Um, so, Tom Aaron, and Caleb, you we guys... Can, we, oh, sorry. We could use the latest uh, technological breakthroughs to put an AI Trump and Haley up on the stage. Yeah, there mm. you go. There you go. Uh, man, don't say that out loud. There's there's cable networks with cash to burn. They, they may do that. Or or we could go analog and do like a version of the Clint Eastwood talking to the empty chair thing. And DeSantis <laughs> could just like interrogate an empty podium. <laughs> oh, my God. I, that moment. Man alive. Um, all right. Uh, Tom and Caleb, you both reported on this week. Uh, Tom, we'll start with you because you wrote about it first when the kind of the news was spilling out. What did the Haley campaign say about this? So the CNN debate uh, would be the first one, I believe, not sponsored by the Republican National Committee, which last week decided not to participate in any further 2024 GOP primary debates and um, is allowing candidates to attend non-sanctioned forums. And so the response from the Haley campaign is that since the RNC pulled out of the debates, many new offers have come in. Uh, the campaign said that it looks forward to debating in Iowa and continuing to show voters why, um, in their minds, uh, Nikki Haley is the best candidate to retire Joe Biden and save the country. Um, they said that that debate should include Donald Trump. Um, but again, referencing the CNN debate specifically, uh, the Haley campaign said that uh, it needs to figure out which debate makes most sense for them as they have a few options. And so, as you mentioned right now, they're they're being noncommittal. Yeah, I, I so and I'm sorry if I, I miss picking this up. I mean, there's no other debate planned in Iowa yet, right? Or um not not to my knowledge um but i think that there are a couple of different debates scheduled for new hampshire yeah okay. um and i don't know caleb caleb might know better than i but but as, as far as i know i don't think that there's another debate that's been announced in iowa yeah and the extra wrinkle here is um and now the ron DeSantis campaign told me that they have not received any other offers so they're kind of questioning that line from the Haley campaign because any offer to Haley would have also gone to DeSantis. Um, so yeah, there has not, there has not been anything publicly announced. Um, and the DeSantis campaign says that they have not received any other offers. So that, that, that is an open question. Yeah. Okay. And, and then you were on a conference call with Iowa reporters with uh, the governor DeSantis this week. Caleb, did he, I, I think he addressed this uh, topic, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Um, and he, he said that, uh, you know, he is, open and willing to debate do any debates he want or that are offered and he even said you know he wants to uh to do more than one debate if, if he can um and he kind of during that call he he kind of uh touched on that a few times that he is really try his campaign and he are really trying to do as many kind of large media appearances as they can televised town halls like he did in cnn this week um debates uh you know desantis um at, a few weeks ago debated uh uh Gavin Newsom, the California governor, neither of them are at this point their candidate for for president or their party's candidate for president. So he he certainly likes doing debates. So I, I, um, that that's an option. Um, but yeah, so he his campaign had um, put out you know that they had they had attacked Haley for not committing at this point to doing the debate. And, you know, suggesting that uh, she doesn't want to go on a stage one on one with him because 
Uh, they think that, you know, that would look bad for her. Uh, whether or not that's the reasoning for that from the Haley campaign, obviously we can't know that. But yeah, DeSantis said um, you know, he wants to debate and that he thinks that um, that Iowa, specifically in Iowa, that Iowa uh, voters should be able to see a final debate before the uh, caucuses. And he also said he wants Trump to be there um, as well. But um, that obviously is probably not going to happen. We um, we heard something similar when we had our um, editorial board meeting with uh, Nikki Haley last Friday. Um, she she called Trump out for for not debating, and she said you don't get a pass when it comes to an Iowa debate or a New Hampshire debate or a South Carolina debate. And then, yeah, she also talked about uh, that the residents of those states uh, want to be able to see their candidates side by side. So uh, there's still a chance to see candidates side by side uh, a couple of days before the caucuses with that uh, televised debate. So how does... Jared, how does she justify that response with then her turning around and not committing to this debate herself? Well, that would have been a uh, some good foresight to have that uh, this would all happen uh, after our. Uh, oh, that was, yeah, that was it. okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'd be I'd be happy with just a surrogate debate. You know, Brenna Bird, Kim Reynolds, and Doug Gross for the top three candidates. Let's see them fight it out. Wait a minute, see who's, it. who's Gross working for? Haley. He he endorsed Haley. Oh, and Brenna Bird for uh, the Trump campaign. Trump, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Right. So that would that'd be interesting. I would. I'd I'm pop a, yeah, some popcorn I'll, I'll for that. I, I mean, it, it, it nobody else would, Todd. But you, you probably you and I and about a handful of other people in this state. But that's worth it alone. Oh man, <laughs> that's uh, uh yeah, that's gonna be interesting. And look, I've said this before. I am still winless in campaigns in Iowa. Um, I have not yet put together a winning campaign, but um. So take my thoughts for what they're worth. But but it's interesting to me for a candidate that's 35 points behind the front runner to not want to take advantage of every chance to get in front of the TV cameras um, as much as possible. I, but but I, I mean, like, like I said, I, I'm Aaron just pawn in game of life. Yeah. And I mean, on that note, though, it's there's also a question of how useful or valuable that debate would be four yeah. or five days before the caucuses. Donald Trump isn't there. Yeah, you know, that's true. We're talking about. 25 or what was it like 35 combined percent of of supporters to to fight over it just you know without without trump there i think and i think you've seen that with viewership too the viewer viewership of these last four debates has gone down every single time i think voters are starting to think you know if if, if trump isn't there and he's leading every every poll you know that, how he's that. yeah that's a really good point too caleb about the timing it's literally it was the 10th is that what the proposed yeah, is? Yeah. So literally five days before the caucuses they well, you, know, you, you think the undecided pie is small now wait till it looks like that we've never had a iowa caucus consolation champion so maybe that debate could have been for the consolation championship i mean you know could have it's like the state wrestling tournament where you can do wrestle backs and get into the back into the championship round <laughs> that could have been that could have been it you know what i think we worked our way through these questions folks i think we got <laughs> the got our answer to what the haley campaign is thinking yeah. here this is well done uh, thank you to everybody uh that was like a therapy session and at the end the light goes on all right uh, well now that that's figured out let's move on to the next uh thing um so stay on the caucus campaign trail and follow its winding road into western iowa where congressman randy feenstra hosted a multi-candidate event this past weekend uh jared tell us about that event and uh did anything uh 
happened, anything get said that jumped off the pages? So I definitely appreciated the uh, format of the event, which was uh, Faith and Family with the Feenstras. Some nice alliteration there. Uh, uh, oh, I'm a huge sucker for good alliteration. So well done, Feenstra. Uh, I'm, I'm good with it unless it's in news headlines and then I have a big problem. But that's, uh, that's a hobby horse for another day. Oh, yes, um, it is. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked the event because it gave um, four of the candidates, uh, including uh, Ryan Binkley, the Texas pastor who's polling at 0%, um, DeSantis, Haley, and uh, Ramaswamy, it gave them a chance to speak solo for about 30 minutes. And they didn't all just dip into the same campaign jargon that they usually do. I mean, there was obviously some of that in there, no matter what, but that wasn't the entirety of what they had to say. Um, each candidate talked about their respective um, faiths and families, which we don't necessarily hear as much. Um, DeSantis and his wife, uh, Casey DeSantis, seemed to be the most uh, comfortable on stage with uh, with Randy Feenstra and his wife. They were trading jokes back and forth about raising kids um Binkley might have had the easiest fit with the crowd because he's a pastor himself um and then uh Ramaswamy talked about his um Hindu faith um through a uh, a monotheistic lens which didn't seem to sway some of the Dort uh college students um Dort's affiliated with the the Christian Reformed Church and after the event I heard one student telling another that's not even what Hinduism is um, so there may be uh, some segment of uh, Christian conservative voters who like Ramaswamy's policies, but are having difficulties with his faith and how he's expressing that uh, in campaign stops. Can I jump in real quick, Jared, and ask you something about that? Yeah. Given what you heard from Ramaswamy, and I'm, 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 I'm really interested that you heard that, you know, some young people saying that, were they right? Or are they the ones misunderstanding maybe what he was having to say because that because my my knee-jerk reaction to that is oh that that's interesting christians telling the hindu person that he's wrong about the hindu religion that's 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 fascinating well i mean he was there are um there are branches and sects of hinduism that are monotheistic and the way he was talking about it was entirely through that lens so it just kind of came off as them thinking they know more about uh, yeah exactly that's what it sounded right that's what it sounded like to me too so i wanted to okay thank you go ahead yeah um, so, so that was kind of one of the things that stood out. And then it, the other big thing that stood out, and it's worth mentioning, only one of the candidates really uh, critiqued Trump multiple times by name uh, during their time. And do we want to take a guess which of the four candidates it was? If you guess Nikki Haley, uh, you would be correct. Um, she continued with her line about um, chaos following Trump wherever he goes. Um, and yeah, that, and she, of any of the four candidates, also by far talked the most about uh, foreign policy, which is not a surprise considering her, you know, that's kind of what she staked her claim on in the race, and she was the former UN ambassador. So hers kind of stood apart the most, I would think, of the four, just in terms of how different it was from the other three. Okay. And and so make sure if you, if you missed it, check out Jared's coverage of, of that event. Um, and also uh, a little pressure uh jared you also wrote uh kind of coming out of that event a story about the the role that the congressman randy feature could play down the home stretch of the caucuses here particularly obviously in western iowa where he's even more well known and uh where uh, you know they're the conservatives conservatives over there uh, tell us about that story without giving up too much of the farm so people still want to give you a click oh uh, it's it's a long enough story i can give up plenty of the, the farm <laughs> and still be safe um 
Well, yeah, for, you know, I've mentioned it plenty of times before, and for anyone that doesn't know, of the four congressional districts in Iowa, um, Brandy Feenster's district is the most Republican by far. Um, according to the Cook Partisan Voting Index, it's a plus uh, 16 Republican. The other three districts are either plus four or plus three. Um, and I, I noted this in my story, um, you know, carrying this particular district has really proven key for winning Iowa and the Republican caucuses. Uh, I had to go back and count these, which was very annoying, but uh, in 2012, uh, Santorum carried 34 of the counties in the fourth district on his way to his uh, photo finish with Romney. And then in 2016, Cruz carried 24 of the district's 39 counties. Um, and obviously Cruz ended up winning the state uh, overall. So it's it's very important to, to carry in this if you wanna win in Iowa. Um, among conservatives. Um, and I kind of did a, a back and forth of the story of like the possibilities that Randy Feenster might endorse. And some of the more convincing things with that are that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's still relatively new to Congress. He's still kind of carving his own path in the state. Um, and, you know, though we've talked about endorsements not mattering a whole lot, even on this episode, um, his would matter the most of any of the House delegation members just because of how uh, Republican the district is. And also he said back in August, he was going to endorse uh, in November or the early part of December. And uh, we've already gone through November and there hasn't been an endorsement. And now we're in, uh, well, mid-December at this point and there's still no endorsement. So yeah. maybe one is still coming, but what makes it less likely is that the other three members of the House delegation are now all on the record now saying that they're not planning on endorsing. Uh, Ernst and Grassley haven't endorsed at this point either, so it would be a lot more difficult to be the only one to, to come out and endorse in this cycle. Yeah, and and then at this point, we're talking about the benefits of it, anyways, right? Like like you said, we're, we're this close. It's, it, how much is it even going to matter? It, 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 at this point, you would almost have to look through it through the prism of of a political favor. Like, is it worth it for that reason? Because it because it's not going to affect the rates. Um, at this point, obviously, Sarah and Tom, real quick. Marionette Miller meets Sarah. Is it is not? Has she given any indication that she's going to? No, she. Uh, yeah, I just reached out to a campaign spokesperson here ahead of the podcast, and he said that she doesn't um, have any plans to endorse. She plans to yeah. remain neutral. And the thing about Feenstra too, I wonder, like, if he's seen maybe Reynolds, somebody as popular mm -hmm. as Reynolds is. Mm -hmm giving her endorsement and it not having a huge impact in polling numbers. And he's maybe rethinking um, how much weight his endorsement would have versus the risk of angering the, the probable Republican nominee. Yeah. yeah. And same thing, Ashley Henson, Tom, I know she's, is there any indication that she's even thinking about it? Not to my knowledge. Um, the last time I talked to her and granted this had been a couple of months ago, um, well, it may, I guess it may have been August at her barbecue bash. But anyway, um, she had said that um, she may endorse, but, you know, wasn't 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 thinking about doing it, um, you know, left open the, the possibility that she may at some point endorse. But I haven't heard that um, that that's something that she's, um, I guess, actively considering or planning to do. Yeah. Yep. And we haven't heard any indication from Zach Nunn here, which. It kind of like Marionette Miller makes it's probably the least surprising of the group given the a competitive district they're in um too. You know, they they're they're not only thinking about this presidential primary, they're thinking about their reelection in, in November of twenty twenty four too. So yeah. All right. Um 
we're going to save one more topic that we were kind of on the fence about, and I, I want to spend some time on it, and, and we're already using up a good chunk of you folks' good time, so we'll save it for next week. We've got a couple of really interesting statehouse uh, candidates and campaigns to talk about, and uh, heck, by next week, uh, we'll be one more week closer to the legislative session, too, uh, in case y'all out there haven't been thinking about that. I know the team here has, because that's coming up on us, too. In fact, that starts before the caucus, so um, a lot to get ready for in the coming weeks. Uh, not just Christmas, uh, although there's that too. I have presents to buy yet. Uh, just more to be stressed about. Um, so <laughs> that'll do it for this edition of Auto Politics so I can get out there and get my wife something um, and have it in, in time for Christmas. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you do, um, uh, let your friends know. If you're not already, please subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast and, and make sure you catch us each week. Um, also on your preferred Gazette or lead newspaper website. And a reminder now that you've all, uh, now that you have listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you are also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox, you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. Lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Career. Mason City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Non-Pharrell, and the Sioux City Journal. I don't know who's playing this out this week. I hope it sounds great. Uh, our producer, Stephen, uh, has a different shift than us this week. So it's a surprise to me. I, I, I'm sure they're a lovely band. If, if you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For the whole gang, Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Sarah Watson, Jared McDitt, Todd Dorman, and that elusive producer, Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thank you all for listening.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.